Well, one more time, welcome. We are so glad that you are here this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Gerald. I'm the pastor around here, and we are excited uh, to be continuing a series. Uh, welcome to our Facebook family who are joining with us right now, and just looking forward to continuing what we've been looking at through this Prove It series. If you haven't been with us so far, uh, you've missed out on some amazingly rich, corny jokes uh, about math. I, I don't have one of those for you this morning. I hope you're not disappointed, but I, I did want to help you out a little bit because we need to be anticipating holidays, right? I mean, it's important that you don't forget your anniversary. It's important that you don't forget Valentine's Day. Uh, when it comes to Christmas, maybe you're one of those last minute shoppers and, and you're like, you're there on Christmas Eve at Walmart seeing what's left on the discount bin. I mean, you're, you're, maybe that's you, but I feel like it's important to prepare ahead for important holidays. And seeing as not as many people laugh at my jokes as, as I would hope when we're talking about these math jokes, you may not recognize that the next Sunday is Pi Day. So like when I, when I was putting this whole series together, I, I had all of these jokes and then all of a sudden I started lining them up on Sundays and I was like, I get to end this on Pi Day. How exciting is that? And so like I, I was geeking out all over the place. And so maybe you're trying to look for that perfect gift for Pi Day. I, I don't know. Maybe you're not. But I, I found this coffee mug. And so if you got a math geek in your life, maybe you want to get them because coffee and pie are just perfect. And so if, if you're not a math geek, you may not be able to read this, but I'll read it for you. It says, I ate some pie and it was delicious. <laughs> and so um, if you don't get the joke, uh, nudge a math geek in your life and say, Whoa, how does that work? But, um, but ju just trust me, it works. So we, we are like I said, we're in the middle of this series called Prove It. And the reason why we like math, the reason why we like science, is there seems to be some provable elements to these disciplines. Things that you can apply some instruments to, and you can say, okay, this proves this theory over and over and over again. And so that, that's why we like those disciplines. When it comes to Christianity, I believe we should be able to prove that as well that I think there's enough historical data for us to go back and look at and say, this really happened. But even more than that, if we are saying this really happened, Jesus really lived, he really died, he really rose from the grave, if we're saying we believe that, there should be something about our lives, our hearts, that show to the world, that prove it to the people around us, that this is real. And if we believe it, the people around us should be able to look at it and say, I can tell by their lives, this is real. And so if you're here in this room and, and you don't believe it, or if you're watching online and you don't believe it, first of all, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're a part of what God's doing here at River of Life. But hopefully by the end of our time here, you will have a better understanding of what this is about. Why we say we believe all of this. And hopefully you, along with us, can be able to prove the truth that we find here in God's Word. Through the series, we've been looking at an ancient letter 
that was written by a man named John. Now, what made John unique or special, I guess, is that he was considered Jesus' best friend. Like, if you look through the scriptures, you recognize that John was one who, he was always right next to him. I mean, Peter gets a lot of press for just being the loud, boisterous guy who's always getting in trouble, always saying the wrong things at the wrong time. And John was the guy who was always just right next to Jesus, always hanging out with him. And uh, he even gave himself a nickname. If you read the Gospel of John that he also wrote, he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. So he was kind of like saying, you know, he liked all of them, but I, I was his favorite. And, and so this guy who's saying, I was his favorite, wrote this letter to the early church to tell them there's people coming out and they're saying Jesus didn't really exist. They're saying Jesus was, was an okay guy, but, but, but maybe he wasn't really God. And, and so there's all of these different lies that were being told about who Jesus was. And so John wrote this letter to tell the early church, no, I knew him. Remember, I'm the one who was his best friend. And so this letter is constantly going through and, and talking about and reintroducing themes over and over in the book about why we can prove and how we can know that Jesus Christ is real, that he really did live, he really did die, and he really did rise from the grave. And so we are finding ourselves in a portion of Scripture where we're going to talk a little bit about how we, do, how we can prove that. Now, going back to our math analogy one of the things that I believe math was created for was so we could figure out who has more money. Like, I, I, I really think that, that that is one of the reasons why we started inventing math. So that we could figure out, this person has more shells than I have. Or that person has more goats than that person. And so like, it was all about fixing angles and, and figuring out, okay, I own this much property and you can't have this because I measured it out. And so it was all about profit margins. So today I want to talk about profit margins, but, but, but a whole different kind of profit. Because I believe much like math was used to help figure out who owns this or who owns that and, and, and which is greater than and which is less than, I think the word of God was given to us so we could test profits. So we could test people who claim to be talking for God and figure out whether or not they're really talking for God. And so today we're going to look at some profit margins and try to figure out what the Word of God tells us about how to understand what is truth and what is not. Because hopefully you care about truth. Hopefully you care about what is real. That, I mean, if you don't, then there's lots of really great fake news out there. Apparently, you can superimpose Tom Cruise's face over your face, and like, it's so believable now that you just can't tell the difference. I don't know how many of you, I don't think it was believable, but there was the one guy who accidentally superimposed a cat face, over, and he was a lawyer at a deposition, zooming in, and he couldn't get the cat face off of his face. And he, he kept having to tell the judge, no, I'm not a real cat. <laughs> like, did anybody really believe he was a cat? But anyway, we need to be able to know. We need to be able to know what is truth. And so 
That's what I'm hoping that we could understand today. So we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Actually, wouldn't you, would you mind standing with me for the reading of God's Word this morning? Again, we're looking at 1 John chapter 4, reading verses 1 through 6, and this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard has come into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already run, won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from a world's viewpoint. And the world listens to them. But you belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. For if they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you this morning that you came to help us understand what is truth. Not only did you come to show us what truth is, to live it out for us, you also promised that you would send your Holy Spirit. And that when the Spirit came, he would lead us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for inspiring God's word, for being able to Help us determine what is truth and what is not. And so I pray today that you would speak to us through your word. That as we take some time to look at this passage in 1 John, that we would better be able to speak into the world and, and showcase what is true and tear down ideologies that are false so that the truth of Jesus Christ can continue to change lives. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for what you do. And we thank you for how you will speak to us this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave uh, at a person or two. Let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them this morning. Then you can find your seat. If you're online, wave at us. Let us know you're here. Tell us how excited you are to continue to find out more about God's Word. Well, as I mentioned, I think one of the reasons we have the Scriptures is so that we can understand what truth is. That, he, that God gave us His Word as a measuring rod, as something we can, we can place things up against. And it's important that we understand God's Word and we understand how to use it because the truth is, you can make the Word of God say whatever you want it to say if you use enough bending and stretching. And that's why we have to have all of God's Word.
We don't just take one little piece here and one little piece there. We want to have all of God's Word. And that's why at our church we take time and we, we go through entire books rather than taking pieces off here and pieces off there and, and making great-sounding arguments. We, we want to make sure that we're keeping things in context. And so as, as we're studying through and as we're looking at the Word of God, we need to make sure we do that. Because right now, I don't know if you've noticed it, a lot of people are divided about a lot of different things in our world. And what I find fascinating is so many of them will use biblical text to say, well, see, this is why my case is right. Or this is why what I believe is true. And you have to be careful. Because you can say that, but if you're, if you're not actually pulling that scripture and putting it in the context of what it was originally written and then lining it up against the rest of scripture. I mean, I can remember there was a musical group that were, they were awful. They were awful. And they justified it by this one obscure verse in John that says, you are of your father, Satan, and you must do his work. So they, they put that on the inside of their album. Like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. We're from Satan, and we're spo- Jesus said we're supposed to do what he told. Like, no, <laughs> you gotta, you got to pull these things back and make sure you're actually looking at what the Word of God says. And so right now, we recognize there's lots of prophets out there. There's lots of people saying, you should be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that. You, you should be following this spirit, or you should be following that spirit. Well, today, I want to take God's Word and apply it, and, and hopefully we can walk out of here going, I understand a little bit better how to use God's Word to figure out truth. And so the first thing I want to look at is that there are less than prophets. There are less than prophets. That there are people out there who claim to be prophets, but they're less than. They're less than what we are supposed to be living up to. And so John specifically addresses that in verses uh, 2 and 3. He says, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If, that, if a person is claiming to be a prophet, acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. And so, I mean, this should be pretty simple. If someone's claiming to be a prophet, but they won't acknowledge who Jesus is, they won't claim that he is the Son of God, that he was sent from the Father, that he is equal to God. Like, we, we have so many things that we can stack the Word of God and point to, to say Jesus was this. And right now, there's lots of religions, there's lots of people who will say they believe in Jesus, but they try to make him less than. They try to say, well, Jesus was this really good moral teacher. Or, or Jesus, he, he, was, he wasn't really trying to say he was God. And, and they try to take all of these things, but I mean, I, I love what C.S. Lewis said, was that Jesus didn't give us that option. When you look at what Jesus said, and when you actually go to the scripture, Jesus didn't give us that option. C.S. Lewis said that you either have to believe that Jesus was 
a liar, a lunatic, or he really was Lord. There, there's no other option. Either he was just flat out lying to people about the things he said, or he was even more dangerous, crazy, and a bunch of crazy people listened to the things he said, or he really was God. We, we don't have any other alternative. We can't say he was a good moral teacher if he wasn't God, because he wasn't a good moral teacher if he was lying or a lunatic. We can't say he didn't say he was God because he did say he was God over and over again. And then he proved it. I mean, we're talking about prove it. Here, here's a good way to tell if someone is really sent from God. If they say, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to come out of the grave and I'm going to be alive, and they actually do it. Jesus did that. He said, I'm going to do this. This is going to happen. And it happened. We have some pretty confident ground to stand on that Jesus is Lord. And so we can't accept any other truth than that. Anybody who says anything different is a false prophet. And so we, we have to make sure that as people of God, as people who are claiming to be followers of Christ, that we hold on to that standard, that we never let go of the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that, that he is the one who is the author of our faith. He is the one who created the church. And so our church needs to mirror that image, the image of Jesus Christ. And we need to be like him, going out and proving to the world who he is. And we can do that because we believe in one that is greater than prophets. We believe that there is one who is greater than both the prophets who claim Jesus is from God and even the prophets who claim that Jesus isn't from God. We have one that's greater than that. John talks about this. Matter of fact, this is probably a verse you've heard often. John 4, 4. Sorry, 1 John 4, 4. But if you belong to God, my dear children, you have already won a victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. I mean, I, I learned this verse in the New King James Version, which... I'm sure many of you have heard quoted over and over and over again. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And, I mean, how many of you have heard that verse? Okay, about half the hands went up, and the rest of you were probably just afraid it was a trick question. So, so I mean, this is, some, this is a verse we've heard before. This is not a new verse, but I don't know how many of you knew the context. This was specifically talking about how we prove whether or not someone is sent from God. Because we've been given the Spirit of God so that we can know. He's telling us that we have this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, living in us, residing in us. Jesus promised that that Spirit would help us to understand all truth. I, I was reading a commentary on this uh, by a guy named Daniel Akin, and this is what he had to say. He said, they are not necessarily talking about the Christians that 
uh, John was writing to, they're not necessarily more intelligent or more skilled than the false prophets, but they are possessed and indwelled by one who is the Holy Spirit. They have resisted those who have seduced or tempted them to accept false doctrine, and their victory is secured by the one who is in them. Listen, we have the Holy Spirit in us for a reason. We, we weren't given the Spirit just so that we could have some religious experience, just so that we could have some, some frills go up and down our spine. I mean, if you're not aware of this already, we're, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that God still speaks to His people. We believe that God wants to fill people with His Spirit, that He wants to give us that gift, that we believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in miracles. We believe in gifts of prophecy. And those are all great. But we weren't given the Spirit simply for that. As wonderful as those things are, we were given the Spirit as well so that we could know truth. So that when people get up and say, this is what you need to do if you're a real Christian, you can test it against God's Word and you can test it against the Spirit that God has placed in you. And I recognize sometimes it's hard because I, I, I can't tell you how many different issues have risen over the last year. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been around. I mean, speaking of anniversaries, we're about to celebrate the one-year anniversary of our two-week lockdown, right? You know, and, and so over the last year, I'm sure you've got different people Christians saying, if you're really a Christian, you're going to do this. Or if you're really a Christian, you're going to do that. And unfortunately, a lot of them are things that aren't clearly spoken on in the Word of God. But we can at least take what is real and what is true and line it up against God's Word and recognize that if it's not something clearly spoken on, we probably have some liberty. We probably have some Ability to have some difference of opinion and not say, you're a sinner if you don't agree with my theological statement that I pulled out of these three verses. Like, we, we can have some ability to say, okay, you can believe that and, and I still love you, but I'm going to go this direction because I, I don't feel like that's what I need to stand on. Now, when it comes to things that are true, like, is Jesus Christ really God? You know, we stand on that. If it's things that we're saying, well, I believe in the authority of Scripture, we, we stand on that. And we have the Holy Spirit that will help us lead us and guide us. And so we need to recognize that we have someone greater than the prophets living in us. Whether they're prophets from God or not, we have the Holy Spirit. And we've been given a gift to be able to interpret those prophets through His Spirit living in us, through access to the One. And so whenever you hear that phrase again, greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world, recognize that was given to us as a charge to test the spirits, to test what people are saying, and make sure it's lining up with the Word of God. Make sure it's lining up with what God has already revealed about Himself. Because if we don't do that, 
we're, we're fooling ourselves. We're just using Scripture as a, as a cute thing we place on the wall, but we're not actually using it as a measuring rod to prove who Jesus is and what He is doing in the world today. But then there's an interesting thing that happens here in this passage, and I think it's easy to kind of read over and miss what's being say, said, but that John is actually saying that what he is speaking to the people through this letter is equal to prophets. That, that what he is saying is actually equal to what the Old Testament had said previously. You see, in the Old Testament, I mean, the, the Jewish world in which Jesus came into and began to teach, there were two entities that the Jews held up. The law and the prophets. And you, as a good religious Jew, did nothing that contradicted with the law or the prophets. But then Jesus came. And he said, I came to fulfill the law. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out. And the Holy Spirit specifically anointed and empowered and inspired certain men and women to write things down. And we have records of some of those things and we have recognized that some of those writings are actually equal to the prophets that spoke long ago. That's why we have an Old Testament and a New Testament. It's not that one is more inspired than the other. They're equal to each other. And John was beginning to recognize, and you see that with Peter and with Paul, that they were recognizing the things that we are writing down have the same authority. They, they could sense the Holy Spirit was upon these writings. And so, in case you miss it, let's reread John 4, 6. John says, We belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. I mean, he, he's... When he's saying he listen, those who belong to God listen to us, he's talking about me. And the other, not, not me, but John. Saying, those who listen to John and the other apostles, those are people who belong to God. And he says, if they did not belong to God, they wouldn't listen to us. In other words, he's saying they wouldn't listen to the apostles if they didn't really belong to God. But this is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. If they listen to what the apostles are writing down. And so we have the Word of God. We have the New Testament in particular because there were men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit who recognized God was leading them. I mean, maybe, maybe they didn't recognize fully that this was going to be inspired text that was going to last 2,000 years, but they knew what they were speaking was on level ground with the Scriptures. At one point, Paul is writing a letter and he puts a saying that was written by the book of Luke alongside a saying that was written in the Old Testament, saying these are the Scriptures. As the Scriptures have told us, they, they had equal footing and so we have to recognize what we have in the New Testament is equal to the prophets that were given in the Old Testament. And so this morning, 
I, I hope you are someone who has a high view of the Word of God. That you're someone who recognizes and believes that the Word of God is the most important thing. That, that we, we have a relationship with Jesus, that we allow the Holy Spirit to indwell us, and then we take the Word of God and we apply it. And, and if I could throw this out as well, the Holy, Holy Spirit gave us His Word not so we would simply read it, not so that we would simply memorize it. I hope you're doing that but so we would actually live what it's saying us to live. That we're going out proclaiming who Jesus is. That we're going out and we're letting people know. That's what this whole series has been about. We need to be people who believe this so convictedly that we're going out and we're telling people about Jesus. We're going out and we're letting people know. We are going out and we are combating false ideals. Not, not that you need to be aggressive to do it. You can, you can do it in meekness and mildness. You, you might have a, a temperament that you don't like confrontation that much. That's okay. You can still live the Word of God by going and loving and serving people and listening to the Holy Spirit when He tells you to speak and trusting Him to give you the right words at the right time. Because again, we have someone who's greater living in us. I hear a lot of people talk about faith. And that's another one of those fun Christian words that gets thrown out around. And, and people use that word like a, a stick on a pinata. And if, if you don't have the right kind of faith, we're going to beat you up with your faith or we're going to beat you up with your lack of faith. When I look at the Word of God, what I see faith is, is God tells us to do something and we go out and we do it. That's faith. Faith isn't a force. Faith isn't a formula. Faith is simply saying, I'm going to take what God has shown me in His Word and I'm going to go actually live it. I mean, this, this week I've been challenging a lot of people through what Jesus said in Matthew, that we're to go and make disciples. The interesting thing is, in the church, we like to focus on the go, go. Go and make, and that's great. I mean, it's good. We, we support missionaries who are going around the world. But the actual imperative in that statement was not the go. It was understood that you were going to go. The real thing that was to be obeyed was as you go, make disciples. That, that's on all of us. Wherever we go, we are carrying God's Spirit with us. And hopefully, we have God's Word that we are turning to regularly. And as we go, we can go and make disciples. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Christ. If you have His Spirit in you, you can go and make disciples. And so, I want to encourage you. Let's be people who prove it. Let's be people who choose to say, I'm going to follow what the Word of God tells me to do. And so as we've been doing through the series, we, we end by pointing to some of the mathematical constants that we've been given and, and looking at some different formulas and ratios. And so uh, we've been pointing to the ratio of pi, the sec probably the second most 
recognizable ratio mathematical equation uh, that we have in mathematics. And pi is an important number because it's one of those things that it's a constant. It doesn't matter what size the circle is, pi is always going to be there. It's always going to be the ratio between the circumference and the diameter. That's always going to be constant. It's also an irregular number that goes on forever. So it talks about how God kind of goes on forever. But as I've been mentioning, most importantly, it reminds us about pie. Because pie is delicious. And so we got a couple of pie winners in here today. You, you might want to figure out who they are as they're leaving because uh, they might need some extra friends uh, to eat some of these delicious pies we've given away. But if you want an opportunity to win a pie, we, we've only got a couple more weeks left in this series. You, you might want to uh, go and text that word. If you haven't done it already, text the word river to 715-953-4060. Just text that word river. 715-953, and you'll be put in a drawing uh, for this week. Next week, it's the last week. It's Pi Day. I I'm, just, I'm just warning you, you might not want to miss next Sunday. I I'm just throwing it out there. No, I I'm, I'm not trying to embellish this. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, put extra layers on it. But just, no, you might want to show up for Pi Day. It, 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 it's a special holiday. But anyway, uh, but yeah, but this week you can have the opportunity to win a pie by texting that word in if you haven't done that already. But the other uh, equation that we've been looking at, probably the most famous equation, is Einstein's uh, theory of relativity as described by E equals mc squared. And if you understand that equation, it, he's saying energy. You can figure out what energy is by the a mass times the speed of light squared. And so, again, it's a pretty complicated formula. Uh, I'm not going to try to make you think that I understand it fully, but it's there. But I, but I do believe we can, you know, steal some of the ideas there and, and put a Christian spin on them. And so I believe that if you want spiritual energy in your life, that you need to take your mass, or as I've been saying, your mess, Take, take who you are and apply it to the speed of God's light, which we recognize is the Word of God and the Son of God. If you apply the Son of God and the Word of God to your life, you can create spiritual energy, but it requires you to actually apply it, not just hear the Word of God and deceive ourselves. We actually have to go out and do it. Take the relationship you have with Jesus and let the Holy Spirit lead you to people who need more of Him. And so, if you want to activate your spiritual life this week, take some time this week. If you haven't done it already, read through the, first to the book of 1 John. If you've already read the book of 1 John, read the book of 1 John. It's worth rereading. It's a really good book. It talks, again, a lot about what it is to prove who Jesus is and to live in a world that doesn't believe it. I don't know if you recognize, not a lot has changed since John wrote this book. There's still a lot of people who don't believe this. But John was there. And what he shares with us in that book can help us to have a better confidence in who Jesus is and what he came to do. Take some time and memorize 1 John 3, verses 16 through 19. 
Again, most of us know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would have eternal life. But I think 1 John 3.16 is just as important. That we know what love is. Because Jesus died for us. And we ought to do the same. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That if we memorize that and we actually live that, how much different would the world look like if we're people who are actually laying down our lives for our brothers and our sisters? Also this week, take some time to develop your relationship with Jesus through prayer. That it... It was meant to be a relationship. We were given the Holy Spirit so that we could actually have this two-way relationship with God. And so take some time this week and pray and, and develop your relationship with Jesus. And then prove your salvation by obeying what He tells you to do. As you read God's Word, as you listen to Him through prayer, obey what He tells you to do. I don't know what he's going to tell you to do. I don't know who he might speak to you to go and share with. I, maybe he's going to ask you to do something radical, like, I don't know, I, I'm going to go and you know, shovel some, and there's not a lot of snow left, but, may, but maybe you're going, to, you're going to shovel some snow, you're going to help a neighbor with a project. Maybe you're going to do something to bless somebody with a radical, random act of kindness. Lean into those things. Trust that God is speaking to you in those and see what he can do. But in case you go through the week and you're feeling like, man, I don't know if I heard from God this week. Here's three things I know he wants you to do. Take some time this week and tell someone what God's doing in your life. Tell someone what God's doing in your church. And tell someone that God loves them. I don't think you need to be a very deep Bible scholar to recognize those are directly things that God wants all of us to do. So take some time this week and do those things and then whatever else God tells you to do because we need to be a people who prove it. Our lives need to prove to the world we are really set on fire by the Spirit of God. We are really someone who's following a risen Savior. Yet if Jesus came out of the tomb, it changes everything. It should change everything. Let's prove it. Let's go out this week and prove to the world that Jesus really rose by the way we live, by the way we listen to his spirit, and by the way we love the people around us. Let me pray for us. Actually, why don't we stand? I'm going to invite the worship team. We're going to stand and just believe for him to be with us as we walk out of this place today. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to look into your word today, and I pray that we would recognize the power of that word. That we would see that who you are and what you have called us to do can change the world around us. that we, could, we can speak against the negative things in the world around us. And that as we lift up your name, as we 
acknowledge you, our lives can be changed. The lives of the people around the world can be changed. Our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow students could be changed because of your great love. God, I pray that you would help all of us to live that love, that we would prove it by our actions. We would prove it by our desire to want to glorify you, by our desire to want to follow you so closely that we can't help but bring people along in our wake. So God, I pray that you would have your hand upon us this week. God, I also pray for those who might be in this room or might be watching online who they haven't made a decision to follow you yet. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw people right now. That something that was said, that something that was spoken from your word or, 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 or through your spirit, that that would be something that would be helping them to recognize that you are real, that you do love them, and that you desire that they would be a part of your kingdom. Matter of fact, if that's you, I'd invite you to pray a simple prayer. That you either want to start a relationship with Jesus today, or maybe you've walked away from a relationship and you want to start over today. I want to invite you to pray something very simple this morning. You can use my words, you can use your own. You can say this out loud or you can say it in the quietness of your heart. But pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry for the ways that I've fallen short and hurt others and hurt myself and hurt you. Today, I choose to turn from that old life and I choose to follow you with the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me the strength to follow Jesus. And God, I thank you for new life. Today you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, could you come and let someone know? You need, you need to prove what God is doing in your life by letting other people know, by finding the help you need to live this life a little bit differently. So if you're here in person, you can come and talk with me. Or um, if you're online, you can... You can send an email or if you're on the online service, there should be a little button there you can click that said, I, I'm accepting Christ today. 
But either way, we want to make sure you get the resources you need to live this full life following after him. And for the rest of us, let's walk out of here with a determination that we're walking in the blessings of God, under the covering of God. So we're going to sing one more song. I want to bless this as we go. And actually, my, my standard blessing is this song. So I'm going to bless you, and then we're going to sing the blessing over each other. And we're going to believe for God's power as we walk out to prove to the world Jesus is who he said he was. So let me bless us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in this hour. And God, we we want to prove to the world the truth that Jesus is all he has claimed to be. So as we leave this place, Jesus, I pray that you would bless us and you would protect us. Jesus, I pray that you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And I pray that every day we would walk in your favor and in your truth as we pray these things in your name.